Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back to another Gaining Momentum mini-sode. So this week, we're just going to chat a little bit about some of the stuff that we heard from people after our last episode. But before we get into that, we just wanted to pour one out for another fallen hero, RBG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been another really tough week for, you know, like grief and loss around, you know, folks that um, give us hope and make us feel like we have um, champions for equity uh-huh. um, and justice in our corner. Yeah, ha- it can be a lot, right? When we keep having um, these moments of grief, it just sort of starts to feel like a pile on. And RBG obviously is notorious, is, is notorious and is a really um, profound loss at a, it, during a really, you know, like critical moment. In- and that's the thing. It's inspiring too, because she went down fighting. Like there's that uh, statement that she released to her granddaughter just days mm-hmm. before she passed, saying, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a, new, until a new president is installed. Like she was dying of pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. and was still fighting for everyone. Yeah. And when you said that, my whole body just like got goosebumps. And I know I've read, I've, it's so interesting because I've already seen that quote and I've read about that, but just like hearing it out loud again. Um, and the way you're framing that, like, you know, somebody is still prioritizing their life's work for equity and justice in their uh-huh. last moments. Um, and I think that's why it's really tempting in a moment like this to feel really profoundly hopeless and sort of feel like that's it's such a loss that's like unrecoverable in this timeline and in this moment. But uh-huh. I think that ultimately, like, we owe it to somebody like RBG to not let ourselves get there. Um, yeah, we all need to put on our descent collars, just like RBG would, and keep fighting. Absolutely, um, we can't give up. No. Um, and I've seen this thing uh, floating around online uh, just in the last day or so, and I believe it was also something that was included in an op-ed. There's this idea that in many of our listeners maybe have seen it too, that now that we are quote, ruthless, uh, we need to be ruthless and continue to be ruthless in our pursuit for equity and justice. And I yeah, think that's equity, like equality really, and justice equity. Yes. So I think that that's, yeah, that's really like on point, right? Um, we have to pick up the torch from here and whether that's in our parenting, whether that's in the work we do, whether that's in our um, conversations with the people in our life and continue to push for progress. Yeah. Let's do it for our BG. We can't just do it for ourselves. Let's do it for her legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Pour one out. I like that. Yeah, she deserves it. (laughs) Absolutely. And now, along with consuming all of the Chadwick Boseman content that I can get my hands on, I'm going to be spending a lot of time rereading Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dissenting opinions. Yeah, absolutely. We need to chin up and take this moment as a moment of motivation to ensure that that legacy um, is respected and carried forward, I guess. Thank you, RBG, for all of your tireless work. Absolutely. And now continuing to honor RBG and her work for gender equality and gender equity. Should we talk Mm -hmm. about our feedback from the first part of our gender episode? Yeah, for sure. So 
first of all, thanks to everyone who listened to part one. Um, Lots of like um, lovely comments and reflections kind of coming through about the episode and people being really thoughtful in their parenting around gender. I mean, one thing that like, you know, we do put out sort of our polls and stuff on Instagram and we collect information and we yeah and we want to hear from our community around like how they're reflecting on some of the things we talk about so big thanks to everyone who engages with that it's like helps us feel like we're building a community and if you haven't yet that's cool too but it's it'll always be there for you to kind of come back to if you want to to join the community whether it's just listening whether it's providing feedback whether it's just sending positive vibes we're here for it yep for sure we're here for it all um i think the, the really cool thing about the sort of responses we got in terms of like those questions was uh-huh. it really demonstrated that there was like a real acknowledgement of, um, you know, like we are all programmed up with all the binary gender nonsense. Um, uh-huh. It's, you know, we live in a, we live in a culture, we don't get to live in a silo. And so we're always going to be taking in those cultural messages. Uh-huh. So people were really acknowledging that and how it like maybe impacts their parenting or their comfort level challenging people um, or not. Some people are really comfortable doing that. But what I did find really inspiring is that even if we're not always perfect, and even if we are not always comfortable stepping up and challenging, there's a real hunger to unlearn uh-huh. and to get, to get better at that, uh-huh. which I thought was amazing. Yeah. People are catching themselves employing some of the gendered stereotypes that they grew up with, and sometimes they're using it in their parenting and catching themselves and realizing, oh, this is what I'm doing. I want to unlearn this behavior so that that's not my automatic go-to response. And that's really cool, guys, that we're able to check ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, at least, you know, we're in a moment where this is on the table and we're talking about it. And so mm-hmm. we can know what we need to unlearn because we recognize that those things have are, are harmful, right? And they're not going to work for us moving forward. One of the really cool things that one of um, our listeners gave us as feedback, they were contemplating to themselves whether or like what do you ask somebody instead of are you having a boy or a girl mm-hmm. and I think this this listener came up with an awesome question it was what are you doing to get ready for the baby mm-hmm. and I think that's a really beautiful question because it leaves it open to the person answering to answer mm-hmm. it in whatever way they see fit so if they go gender they go gender but it could just be kind of seeking emotional support or just talking about the physical aspects of like buying a crib and like getting all mm-hmm. the things that you need for a baby. So it just, it opens up a conversation instead of just asking a closed ended question. Yeah. And I like that like this person also acknowledged, like, it's just like a weird knee jerk habit. Cause it is mm-hmm. such a like cultural norm to like ask that question and we want to buck against that. But then it's like for people, then we just need to like program ourselves to relearn a different question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can have a go-to that like that or something else, even like let us know what you maybe ask that feels, you know, like safe and comfortable to ask somebody, but also shows that like you're interested and you're excited for them and you're engaged with uh, what's going on for them. Yeah. Um, but that and was I really cool. Wasn't there a poll question that had a 100% response rate in for one of the questions for one of the yeah. answer options? Yeah. So like we often get kind of some split feedback, which is interesting. And it's like shows like we're all kind of in different places with some of this stuff, but across the board, every single person that responded, responded yes to, um, I have noticed people in my child's life employ gender stereotypes, um, in one way or another. So clearly like this stuff is there for everybody, um, Uh everybody in our community anyway, and everybody that chose to respond, um, Uh We're watching other, even if maybe we're really good about like, or not, I shouldn't say good, aware. but we're working really hard and being aware with like how we're working with those stereotypes in our own parenting. 
everybody articulate it that they have observed other people in their life. So it's just so widespread in our society that gendered norms, it's called a norm for a reason. These are our current norms. And so we're kind of through building awareness and talking, like catching ourselves in moments. That's how we dismantle the norm and create a new one. Yeah. And there was this other really interesting comment and I want to just speak to it really briefly. Like somebody commented on like, in the way that they, you know, when they were growing up, like this wasn't even like remotely something that was being discussed or contemplated, the idea that gender could exist on a spectrum Uh um, and wasn't binary. And I can relate to that. That's not something Uh that I feel like was normalized when I was growing up and learning. Uh And we talked about that on the episode. And they, they sort of like posed this really interesting idea. I wonder what the world would look like even right now, if like we had grown up in a world where this was like more of a normalized idea or normalized conversation that gender is not a binary experience. I I love that idea too, because it's sort of like a sliding door scenario. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Now I'm thinking about the Gwyneth Paltrow movie. I know. But, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just, you know, if, if it had been normalized to mm-hmm. engage in gender expression and play and just explore every facet of your identity, then what would we all look like now? What would the world around us look like? And that's yeah. something, you know, that's a nice thing to think about and imagine. And if anyone wants to kind of throw us their ideal world scenarios, we would love to hear it. And then I think like what's really cool is like maybe our kids will live in a very different kind of world in, down the road because we're having these conversations now. <laughs> and speaking of playing and examining and exploring, we're back with another podcast that we're listening to. Yeah. And we hope that you'll listen too if it speaks to you. So we have been listening to together in our little like podcast club, sort of like a book club, but we listen <laughs> but to the just, same you know, podcast. It's like a podcast, like line segment, I guess, because right now yeah. it's just the two of us. It's just us. <laughs> but we you, we welcome you to join. Yes, <laughs> We'd please. Love yeah, and we did hear some cool stuff about our first one that we listened to, which was Nice White Parrots. People kind of started to um, engage with that as well. So we hope you can jump on board with this if it speaks to you. But we've been listening to a CBC podcast that came out a couple months ago, mm-hmm. um, and it's called They and Us. And mm-hmm. some of you may have already uh, listened to this pod. I think it's about six episodes. Yes. Um, and this time around, uh, Abby and I kind of cut ourselves off at, at three episodes, and then we'll mm-hmm. maybe talk about the remaining three next time we connect. And they're fairly short episodes, so it's not yeah. um, it's not Less too much if people want to jump in and join us by the time the next mini-sode comes around. Do you want to say a little bit about what They and Us is as a podcast? Yeah, I actually am just going to do it in one piece of statement that the sure. host of the podcast uses. Perfect. They and Us is about why pronouns matter. So really like nestled nicely into our conversations on gender and parenting in the last few weeks. I feel like They and Us kind of has served as this really cool like uh, living humanized narrative of like why do we need to be talking about this stuff Mm -hmm. Um, because we have this uh, representation of folks who are um, talking about their stories and sharing like what their experiences have been being non-binary or or even transitioning or you know experimenting with gender in different ways yes and I think one of the people who's highlighted throughout this series uh, her name is Rachel Sullivan. She's a oh, yeah. scholar in gender identity and gender diversity. And what I liked yeah. about kind of including Rachel in the first episode is that she provided a nice kind of introduction slash overview to terminology, almost like mm-hmm. a starter kit to gender, which is identif- gender identity as a social construct and yeah. sex assigned at birth as biological, because it's often used interchangeably, but it's not the same thing. 
Yeah. And I just want to shout out Rachel. She's actually a personal friend. So it was really cool to be listening and then hear oh, Rachel's voice cool. come on. I know it was wild. I was like texting. I'm like, this is like a warm blanket. I'm like, oh, that's I hope so this funny. is what other people feel like when they hear us. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the host of the podcast is named Will Fundle and mm-hmm. Will is a CBC employee. I think Will, I think they have a morning show that they hosted. Yeah. I think they're a correspondent in some way. But yeah. So episode one, kind of starts with a little cold open and we are introduced to why Will is asking the question, why pronouns matter. Will's father mm-hmm. was sick in the hospital and the doctor came to brief Will and referred to Will as, oh, you're the son. And Will didn't know if that was the time to speak up and be like, actually, like I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. with that as my pronoun. But then mm-hmm. it was sort of like, you know, my father's sick, but yeah. like, so why should this matter? And I think that's interesting because I think, why can't mm-hmm. both matter? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, everything doesn't have to be this or that. Like there's mm-hmm. room for two things to be true at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. But it was a really interesting like exploration in that that person's experience of being like, mm-hmm. why am I making such a big deal about this in a moment where like my focus should be here and there's bigger things at play? But I think you're so right. Like, yes and right? Like yeah. we can hold Ooh, both we ends. An improv of that. Game? Yeah, yes and <laughs> and I thought I think what's been like really cool is that the host is sort of like exploring their own identity and going Mm -hmm. through like a process of like gender exploration as they're documenting other people's stories and experiences for Mm -hmm. the podcast. And um, that's a really powerful way to be a narrator, right? If you're like going through um, something alongside people and you can bring your own perspective um, into the conversation, but also make space for other people. So I found that has been a really powerful part of it. And then there's another person, Harper, who has been instrumental in these first three episodes. And Harper, I just think my main takeaway from everything Mm -hmm. that Harper's had to say in their kind of journey of exploring their gender identity and Mm -hmm. becoming comfortable with living in the authenticity of who they are is that it just shows the importance of safety in being able to explore gender expression and figure out who you are. And it's like essential to building and maintaining self-confidence, wellness, and mental health. Yeah. And I think it links back to the things we're exploring in terms of like parenthood and our role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people have that safe space, place, that safe space <laughs> to play creatively with gender kids when they're young and sort of like you are modeling that that's safe and okay, it actually can completely change the trajectory of someone's life, right? And how they feel about themselves and how they understand themselves. And Harper talks a lot about like you know, experiencing, uh, many of you may have heard of the concept of conversion therapy. Mm. So, Mm. which is like this very violent exercise in, you know, trying to unlearn um, your sexuality or your gender identity um, to fit. There's like no basis in it being a successful procedure or if there's no basis in there being any necessity except for fear mongering. And just like wanting to deny somebody the ability to be who they are. And it's illegal in most mm-hmm. in most places at this point. Like there are some states in the United States that it still is a practice, but for the most part across the board, like best practice professionals have been like, it's harmful, it's not rooted in science, and it's also trying to treat a illness that doesn't exist. Yes. Which is um, really powerful. But Harper had that, that experience as well. So just mm-hmm. like it's such a gift for somebody to like share what that was like for them and then like yeah, still be vulnerable in like how it impacts them now, even as they're like quite empowered and coming into their identity. Um, And for anybody who kind of gravitates towards more of a love story angle, there's Mm -hmm. a really beautiful story about how Harper met Joshua and how Joshua provided a safe space for Harper to be able to explore and become themselves. 
I know. I was like, Joshua. Um, <sighs> yeah. So it's been, it's been a really cool listen. Um, one of the things that I think has been uh, really interesting is they're starting to introduce some really important thinking around this idea of intersectionality. Yeah, that comes up in episode three, in case anyone's keeping track. That episode is called Riot for Your Rights. So yes. Meg, we, I, think, I can't remember if we've mentioned intersectionality in an episode yet, but I'm can sure. you give us a little bit of a primer? Sure. Okay, let's see if I can do this justice. <laughs> so uh, if intersectionality is a new term for you, essentially what it is speaking to is that sort of overlapping experience of oppression based on different identity factors. So for example, um, I might be a woman and Abby might be a woman. And because of that, maybe we experience certain marginalization because of our gender. Uh Uh, However, maybe um, being a woman of color means that Abby experiences another layer of marginalization uh, when moving through the world that I maybe don't experience. And so it's important that we think about how identity factors intersect and Uh impact our access in the world, how we're able to move through the world safely and how we maybe do or do not experience oppression and marginalization. Uh So it doesn't mean that we both can't have experiences as women that are sometimes challenging and marginalizing, but it does mean that Abby's might look different than mine or somebody else who has um, another um, identity factor that maybe is something that somebody's being discriminatory around or marginalizing. Exactly. Around. So you can't separate, for instance, I can't separate my being my experience of being black from my experience of being a woman because yes. the two intersect. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good way to summarize it. So they start to kind of like include some really important thinking around how that maybe lives for somebody who maybe identifies, you know, as both queer and a person of color or... Mm-hmm. Oh, um, speaking of, as a person yes. of color, I wanted to yes. talk a little bit about the origin of intersectionality. Oh, yeah, um, please do. Yeah, so it was a term that kind of the idea first came around in the late 70s and early 80s by Black mm-hmm. feminists like Bell Hooks yes. and Angela Davis. And the, cur- the term intersectionality itself was coined in 1989 by Kimberly Crenshaw. So Kimberly mm. wrote a, a paper for the University of Chicago Legal Forum. And that paper was called Demarginalizing the Intersection of Race and Sex, a Black Feminist Critique of Anti-Discrimination Doctrine, Feminist Theory, and Anti-Racist Politics. And it's like a fundamental, like at this point, if your feminism isn't intersectional, it's not feminism, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, it's a really essential part of the way that we need to be thinking. And just thinking about um, even how they're talking about it in the podcast, right? Like Mm -hmm. they talk a lot about how, um, I'm not sure if this was episode four, so now I don't want to like ruin it, but mentioned in pride the how yeah it's episode three Okay, it is. So they talk a little bit about how pride, you know, hasn't always been inclusive of people of color and also like has been um, sort of co-opted by white corporate um, interests at times. And so um, they're kind of like pulling that apart a little bit, like whose narratives get to be centered, even when it comes to like um, pride and the queer community and that experience and how is it different and necessary to explore other other types of experience and how other parts of our identity affect that experience. And it's great. And they also touch on, which I think they'll get the trans BIPOC identity and yes. the marginalization. I mean, you know, it's not a marginalization Olympics or anything, but yeah. <laughs> the trans BIPOC community are some of the, are the most vulnerable to all sorts of insidious judgments, discrimination, and Brutal, violence. brutal violence. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it would be really cool if we could circle back. And mm-hmm. maybe once we are able to listen through to the four, five, six, um, we could talk a little bit more about how they, uh, how Will and the podcast explores some of those really important pieces of the puzzle around gender and sexuality. 
get in touch and we will see you next week for part two. Hi everyone. Uh, just a quick postscript uh, after the Minnesota here. We referred to the host of They and Us as Will Fundal, and it has come to our attention, um, just getting more information about the host, that they actually go by Faith Fundal at this point. And it's really important that we make sure we get that right. So thanks for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed the episode. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Gaining Momentum is written, produced, and edited by Abby and Megan. With music by Evan Dysart. And podcast art by Catherine Katja. And a special thank you to our podcast mentor, Belle, from the podcast Thirst World Problems. Thanks, Belle. Thanks, Belle. And if you want to find any more info on any of their work, please check out the links in our podcast description.